0: Let us come before the Lord and I just want to read a couple of verses from John 12, verse 32, and it says this, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This he said signifying what death he should die. Let's come before the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for an opportunity to once again sound out the, the gospel bell. Lord, that there is good news and glad tidings to be proclaimed throughout this land, that it is a message that is never old, it is a message that has never grown weak, Lord, but there is truly power within it. And, Lord, we do desire that tonight that thou would be lifted up, Lord, that we would see thee on the cross, Lord, high and lifted up for our sins. And, Lord, we do pray that you would do the wonderful work of drawing men and women unto yourself. Father, forgive us for the times that we have stood in the way. Lord, where men have been raised up, where congregations have been raised up, Lord, it is our desire that as men and women gather within thy house that they would see Christ exalted. So, Father, do be pleased to dwell with us, do be pleased to bless us as we gather together, be with us in the, the singing of hymns, Lord, the praying to thee, Lord, and the preaching of thy word. We ask now for thy blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us come and take our hymn books again this evening and we'll be singing our first hymn together, hymn number 604. Mm beautiful hymn. Well, if you'd like to turn with me in your Bibles this evening, we'll be looking at the Gospel according to John, in chapter 12. John, chapter 12, we'll be reading from verse 1 down to verse 26. John chapter 12, 1 26. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly. And anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Why was not this ointment sold for three hundred pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief, and had the bag and bare that what was put therein. Then said Jesus... Let her alone, against the day of my bearing, have she kept this. For the poor always ye have with you, but me ye have not always. Much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there. And they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death, because that by reason of him many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. On the next day, much people that were come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. And Jesus, when he had found a young ass, sat thereon, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, thy king cometh, sitting on an ass's colt. These things understood not his disciples at the first But when Jesus was glorified, then remembered they that these things were written of him, and that they had done these things unto him. The people, therefore, that was with him, when he called Lazarus out of the grave and raised him from the dead, bear record. For this cause the people also met him, for that they heard that he had done this miracle. The Pharisees, therefore, said among themselves, Perceive ye how ye prevail nothing? Behold, the world is gone after him. And there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship for the feast. The same came therefore to Philip, which was of Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. Philip cometh and telleth Andrew, and again Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Amen. May God add his blessing to the public reading of his word. Let us take our hymn books once again this evening and turn to hymn number 339. let us take this time now to come before the Lord in prayer and ask for his help this let's pray O Lord again we do want to thank you for who thou art we thank you that you have given us the strength, the life, the breath to be able to come again into thine house and Lord that we have the privilege to sing unto thee, to bring our prayers unto thee and to hear from thee What a wonderful thing it is in the midst of uh, a difficult world, of a sin-fallen world, that we have this glimpse, as it were, of heaven, to spend time with our Saviour and our God. Father, we do want to thank you in your fullness for who you are. We thank you that you are the God, the Father, who sits upon the throne, in who all things cometh and proceedeth from thee. We thank you that there is nothing that can happen without thee knowing and the allowing, Lord. That it is Thee that brings forth the fruit of the fields. And Lord, it is Thee that calls us from death unto life. Lord, that Thou art in everything. Father, we pray that You would truly do that calling of death unto life once again in this place. Lord, we pray, Lord, that salvation would come to Thy house. And Lord, we thank You for the Son that Thou hast sent, Jesus Christ. Lord, it is our desire to lift Him up tonight. Lord, that nothing would be heard of man, nothing would be heard of this world, but Lord, that Christ may be seen, and seen in his fullness. Lord, forgive us for the times that we eschew the vision of Christ, Lord, where our focus is not aimed where it should be, Lord, and we are focused on things that are not truly the reason he came. Father, we pray that you'd help us to always have the right view of who he is and what he has done father we thank you also for the holy spirit we thank you for that wonderful work in which he does in dwelling within us Lord, that we now are the temples of god and that we have that power that raised christ from the dead within us to quicken us in order to do that work of holiness and sanctification within our lives and father we are so forgetful lord as soon it seems as soon as we enter back into the routine of life that we forget the wonderful works of God within us, Lord, what thou hast done, who thou art, and what thou art doing. And Lord, we pray that you would remind us once again tonight, Lord, that we would draw closer to thee, that this would not be something that we forget as we walk out the door, but Lord, that we would be changed. Help our deceitful hearts, we pray. Help our concentration, help our minds, Lord, as our bodies gather in such a time as this, we often feel tired. Our minds often wonder and there are many things that Satan desires to use to distract us, to turn our eyes away from thee. Lord, we pray that it would not be so. Lord, that we would have such a desire to see Christ once again, Lord, that we are attentive, that we are seeking to hear from thee. And Father, we do pray, Lord, for the gospel's sake. Lord, that those who are standing uh, in thy name throughout this land, Lord, where the gospel is being preached faithfully, Lord, we pray that you would gather in a great harvest. Great harvest of souls, Lord, who are seeking thee. Lord, we pray for a great conviction, a great revival across this land. And Father, we know that we need to be those who are forever and continually on our knees in prayer before thee. Father, we do feel that often we are so lukewarm, so cold-hearted towards thee and towards thy work. But Lord, we pray that you'd invigorate us, that you would fill us with thy spirit, Lord, that we would truly go from strength to strength. Lord, we do thank you for the individuals, uh, bodies of Christ, Lord, around this country. Lord, how there are many who are seeking and looking for leadership. Lord, And we pray that you'd raise up men, Lord, to, to fill these positions. Lord, faithful men who are following thee, Lord, who desire to do thy will, Lord, who seek to not stray from the path, not to enter into the ways of this world, Lord, to be tempted to enter in uh, new ways of drawing people in, but... They would stand firm on the good old truth, or the truth that Thou hast revealed to us, or that they would stand alone on the Word of God, knowing that it is complete, that it is full, that it is all that is necessary for the revelation of the Gospel, the revelation of Jesus Christ, the heart of God, or to mankind. And it is therein that we find the power of salvation. And Lord, we thank You for it. Lord, we thank You that every time that we open Thy Word, that it is a mighty sword and that it divides our hearts, Lord. And, Father, as we come to hear it, Lord, we pray that we would not hide from it, but we would run to it, knowing that whatever pain we might feel, whatever revealings that we find in our own hearts, Lord, that it would be a cause for us to run again to Thee, to cling to Thee, knowing of our weakness, of our frailty, knowing that Thou art all, and Thou art everything, and Thou art all that we need. And, Father, we do pray for the one who maybe is here listening tonight, who has never placed their faith in thee, Lord, who maybe has heard the gospel time and time again, Lord, we pray that you would do a work of salvation. Lord, we thank you that we have means to spread the gospel far and wide. We thank you for the live stream. We thank you for those who may be currently listening now, or even listening in the time to come. Lord, we know that where thy word proceeds, it will not return void. Help us, Father, we ask. Help us, Lord, to not harden our hearts against thy word, but Lord, that our hearts would be softened, that we would be moulded, Lord, that truly we would be the clay in thy hands, Lord, and that we would yield to thy will in our lives. And Father, we pray that your effectual call would take effect in the heart of a soul tonight. Father, we do pray for the week to come, Lord, we pray that you would equip us, Lord, that we would be prepared for whatever there is, Lord, that we would come to thee asking for wisdom. Lord, we pray that we would feel that help of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we are surrounded by opportunity. And Lord, may we be those who take hold of these opportunities. May we recognize that life is fleeting. It is but a vapor. And Lord, we pray that we would do all that we can for a testimony of Jesus Christ. Lord, that we would be doing all these things for his name, for his honor, for his glory. Father, we pray that you'd help us Help us even now as we hear the gospel, Lord, that it would do a work of sanctification in the lives of a believer. Lord, in us, Lord, we pray that we would have those corners, as it were, knocked off. Lord, that we would be sanctified. Lord, that we might be drawn closer to thee. Lord, we have many faults within our hearts, many secret and hidden sins. Lord, may it truly be our desire that they be revealed and that they be dealt with by thy Holy Spirit and by thy work and by the blood of Christ. Father, we do pray now as we come to thy word. Lord, do help us, help me, Lord. Lord, I pray that I might be faithful and that I would hide behind thy cross. And Lord, that thee would truly be speaking to us. And that we would be able to leave this place knowing that God has spoken. So, Father, be with us now. Bless us, Lord, as we come together. Forgive us our sins. Wash us, we pray again, that we might see thee and know thee better. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we look at God's Word, let us take our hymn books once again and turn to hymn number 145. quickly pray that the Lord would truly help us tonight. Lord, we thank you that we can now come to thy word. Lord, do speak to us, we pray. Lord, we pray that thy spirit would have its way with us. Lord, that we would not be those who stifle it. Lord, that we would just be vessels. So, Lord, please bless us tonight, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to turn again to John chapter 12 and really the center of the text that I would like to look at this evening comes in verse 21 and it is a very popular phrase that many chapels may have printed above their pulpits it is the desire of uh, the church as it were that we would see Jesus that we would see Christ and we are living in a day today that we know that we are in a world that desires not to see Jesus. They have no interest, as it were, in the things of God. They do not care for the authority, the infallibility of his word. They do not care about Christ's teaching, Christ's work, and Christ on the cross. But there is another more subtle issue that we find in the church today, or the so-called church across the world as it were and it is a growing problem amongst many and that is that there is a desire to see Christ but more so that there is a desire to see Christ as a subject and less so Christ as a person. We are no longer seeking to have an intimate relationship with the person who is Jesus Christ but rather we seek his benefits. We seek the characteristics of Christ, those parts about Christ that we read that are so attractive to us, that draw us to himself, well, this is not the person of Christ, they are wonderful aspects of him, but they are not to be our focal point. And we know how Satan, if he cannot stop the stream as it were, he will do all that he can to taint it. And many churches around this world have changed the focal point of Jesus Christ. And they are fixating on seeing something of Christ but not seeing Christ himself. And yes, it's correct. His ministry is filled with much attraction. And we love to read of Christ. We love to hear of his teaching. We love to see and hear of the miracles which he did. And it's the same effect of the many who were with Christ at that time that drew many, many people towards him. But these were a means to an end. This is so that we could enter into a loving relationship with the person, Jesus Christ. And as we come to our text, this very familiar text to a lot of us, I'm sure, we see different levels of what people are seeking as they come to Christ. And we see that these Greeks, as it were, these Gentiles that came to see him, they had an attitude that they wanted to see him for who he was, the person, Jesus Christ many, we find, are left spiritually starving, weak, because they have fixated on an aspect, a characteristic, and not entering into that relationship. And so we find what would seem to be one of the most victorious passages of Scripture in the ministry of Jesus Christ. For the people of the day, for even the disciples, and even the Pharisees, it would seem that this is the point in Jesus' ministry that he is most victorious, that he is most attractive, and as it were, the eyes of the whole world were upon him. Surely this is the crux of the great plan of redemption, the king riding into Jerusalem to claim victory once and for all for the people of Israel. Every eye was upon him, victoriously entering into Zion, heralded as king, and all agreed that this was it, this is what all had been waiting for. It was agreed by the disciples. We find that as these Greeks came and asked Philip, his reaction is, well, I need to check with Andrew, really, before I take these Greeks to Jesus. It seems that after all this time, of all this ministry, after arguing in the synagogues, after being opposed by the Pharisees, after showing great miracles and wonderful teaching, that now Christ is finally being popular And now these Greeks, these Gentiles are coming along. We don't want to ruin this momentum that we are seeing right now. And so Philip, we see, he thinks that this is the moment that Christ has come. We see that the people believe that this is the moment that they have been waiting for. Throwing down the palm branches, laying their cloaks and their clothes along the roads. And of course, the Pharisees themselves agree that Christ has the eyes and eyes says in verse 19, the Pharisees therefore said among themselves, perceive ye how ye prevail nothing, behold the world has gone after him. They felt like it was a lost cause now. But as we look into these different characters and and what they were truly seeking when they were looking at Christ, we need need to be very careful, we need to be on guard. What is it that we desire to see when we come to see Christ? A triumphal entry, we refer to it, don't we? We see that this is the great triumph, and it seems that we have adopted this indication that this is the greatest moment in the ministry of Christ. Or was it the triumphal entry? Christ was yet to complete his greatest work. And if you were to uh, critique the term triumphal entry, I would sooner attribute to that the exaltation of Christ, taking his place on the throne after he had defeated death and hell. And so, for many that were there at this time as Christ rode in on the Colt, this was their everything. This was it. This was all that there was to see with Jesus Christ. And this partial view of Jesus became the whole desire of men and women. And we must be on guard today we do not have a partial view of Jesus Christ as we come, as we desire to see him, when we come into his house and hear the preaching of the word, may a partial view not be the whole desire of us today. So first of all, let us identify the people. In verse 13, it says this, they took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the King of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. What is it that these people had desired to see? They desired to see a king. They desired to see a deliverer. You see, for 900 years, as it were, the nation, the people of God, they had been separated. There was no unity between them. For a good 600 years, they had not had independent rule within their nation. And for nearly 100 years, they were under the yoke and the oppression of the Roman Empire. And so, as the one that they have waited for comes riding in on a donkey, this is it. Surely this is the one who has come to deliver us from the yoke of Rome. And this is what they desire, deliverance. We are to be freed once and for all and to be gathered back together as a people of God. As Abraham was called out and a nation was set up, as we were called out of Egypt and we found the promised land. This is it. This is the one that we have been waiting for. This deliverance of this bondage was the constant desire of the people. And this is what they were seeking after. And now, this once great nation with great leaders like Moses, Joshua, David and Solomon, now they were being babysat, as it were, by an outside Gentile government, by these great idolaters, as it were. And here was Jesus. We had heard of him. We had seen him. Feeding thousands. He took just a few loaves of fish and fed thousands. They were full. We've seen him make a blind man see to make a lame man walk. We've seen him speak and argue in the synagogues with great power and authority. I've seen him raise a man from the dead. This is the one. He is going to take this power and he is going to crush the oppression in which we are facing today and after all did not Christ stand up at the very beginning of his ministry as it were the first time he stands up and speaks in the synagogue and it is prophesied in Isaiah 61 that I've come to preach good tidings I've come for good news for you I've come to heal the broken hearted and this is what he says I've come to deliver the captives and no doubt They sat there in astonishment, in amazement. They were excited. Finally, we will be delivered once and for all. We find, although this is a wonderful truth, God is a wonderful deliverer. There is more to Christ than that, especially in the eyes of these people. Because days later, they cried, crucify him. They did not want the whole person of Jesus Christ, but they saw deliverance. They sought something that was not the whole picture. They could not entertain the thought of Christ. And today we find the same. That there are people all around us who desire deliverance. That there are vices that have gripped and have taken hold of everyone. We know that it affects everyone and many people recognize it. But when you mention Christ, there is a reaction against it. A kick against the authority as it were, they want deliverance, but they do not want Christ. There are many people that would say that they would give anything to free themselves from the vices of sin, from drink, from drugs, from gambling, from infidelity. Yet when Christ is mentioned, they want no part. I spent some time last year in Birmingham, and one of my favorite things to do was the homeless outreach in Birmingham, there are thousands of them who set up a small food stand and share the gospel as people come to eat. And the vices that people are held by is incredible. There was a man who I think of and pray for today, a man called Stephen. He was broken and destroyed by his love for a dream. When you asked him the effects that it had on his life, he could not talk to you. Because he would sooner, he said he would sooner destroy himself speak of the damage but when Christ came up in conversation he wanted nothing to do with it he desired deliverance but wanted none of Christ and how sad and how difficult it is for us who want to uphold Christ to lift him up to say this this is Jesus Christ the deliverer and it's him we want you to see not just the deliverance And if you go into the streets today, just about anyone would agree that they would not want to go to hell. They would not want to face the judgment of God. When you speak of the Deliverer Himself, there is no interest. And there are many people today in our churches, many who sit under the preaching of the Word. And there is a desire that they would be delivered. And it's a wonderful and it's a blessed desire to have but it's their whole desire. We must be very careful there's a subtlety here that every time we enter in and we hear the gospel preached there's our heart desire that we be delivered from the wrath of God or do we have a desire for Jesus Christ himself? Because if we're not careful it is a very commercial it is a very, uh, as it were uh, taking, as it were, um, religion. You're there to see Christ as some kind of a genie is some kind of saviour that you are to take and to receive but it's a relationship that we're to enter into and you see the heart of the Christian should not be all about this deliverance but it's about the love and the heart that we have for Jesus Christ himself song of Solomon 3 in verse 4 says I have found him whom my soul loveth I held him and I would not let him go when we think of the love that we have for Christ yes we are thankful that he is a deliverer and it's one of the beautiful aspects of Christ that he should be our desire he should be the one that we seek to hold on to and to never let go we find, don't we, that in the wedding vows we find that it is for richer, for poorer, for better or for worse and that there are many who claim Christ they they want the riches of heaven and they want the health of soul and yet when the poverty of this world comes up and when the sickness of the body come up, there is no interest and so there are ministries all over the world that are booming and filling and bursting at the seams as it were who have taken away the trials and tribulations and they have commercialized Christ as one who delivers you from everything. And there is no more any need for Christ Himself. It is a wonderful truth. Christ is a deliverer, and I don't want to merge over that fact. He delivers us from our sin, from the vices, from our difficulties. He has bridged that gap between man and God. But we would see Jesus. When we come to church, we hear the preaching. receive something, receive deliverance, or do we want to see the person, Jesus Christ? We find many times as Christ truly preached why he came, that as he entered into those hard parts of doctrine, those difficult pieces of teaching, that the multitude left. Are we going to leave because we don't want the fullness of Christ himself? Are we here to see Jesus let us look on also. We find that there was another group of people that came to see Jesus. And in verse 9 and verse 17, let me read it for you. It says, Much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there, that they came not. And they came not for Jesus' sake only, but they might see Lazarus also. And in verse 17 it says, The people therefore that was with him, when he called Lazarus out of his grave and raised him from the dead, bear record find that the raising of Lazarus had been the talk of the town, an amazing miracle had taken place. And as many people had gathered for the feast of the Passover, as people were walking and traveling to Jerusalem, the talk of the town was, Jesus Christ had raised Lazarus from the dead. He was a man that I could see, who was walking and talking and breathing, who had been dead. You see, the burial of a Jew was a very public affair. There were processions. There were times of mourning publicly. There were even hired people to play solemn music. As people carried the body of Lazarus to the grave, many people had seen that he had perished. And this was the talk of the town. They wanted their carnal needs met. They wanted to see a miracle. See, many saw and believed, and it spread like wildfire. And we find, as, as Paul on Mars Hill in Acts 17, that they entered into uh, this kind of culture of the Athenians, that all that they did was talk and tell about things that were new. Interesting things was the, the talk of the town. They wanted their curiosity satisfied. Is it true? Did this really happen? Is Lazarus walking around? Will we see him? Will we see something else? As Jesus comes riding in on a colt, well, he performs many, many other miracles. And today the church, or so-called church, is filled with people who desire, not Christ himself, but desire miracles. These great evidences to, to satisfy the carnal needs of mankind and seeking only an experience. And many teach today that these great miracles and experiences can be imparted to us, now that there's no need for Christ in any place and that we have this power and yes we sit in churches of our own and we think well we're safe from those kind of charismatic movements those Pentecostal movements but the truth is many times we find that there are individuals that sit and listen to the preaching and they seek an experience they are not seeking Christ but they need an experience they want to see a Lazarus as it were before they can ever come to believe that Christ is Lord, that they need to see an experience from God. And it's very subtle, but it can be devastating. We're here to see Christ this evening. And as the word is preached, and washes over us time and time again are our eyes seeking an experience from the Lord and not Christ himself. We can also take this parallel that people were seeking a man over Christ. Here was Lazarus, a man whom the power of God had manifested itself in. He had been raised from the dead. It was evident that God had worked in him. And yet they wanted to see him rather than the one who had done it to him. And so often we see that there is a fascination with men. A fascination where men maybe stand up and they preach and they have been uh, endowed, as it were, with blessings from God. And people fixate on the man and no longer have they a desire for the subject of the matter and the person of Jesus Christ. You see, those who preach and teach about Jesus, they are to be empty vessels. And truly, if we are to be those who are seeking Christ every time we come into his house, then it should not matter who stands in the pulpit. Our peaked interest about Christ should not be dependent on the man who stands and speaks but it should be the person in whom they speak of, Jesus Christ. And aren't we guilty? There are times that we switch off because there is a man we're not so interested in. And we switch on because there is a man that we are interested in. But the truth is, when Christ is uplifted, our eyes are to be cast upon him. And that we're to see him for who he is. And can you imagine the great difficulty that Lazarus faced the questions, as people came to Lazarus, what was it like when you died? Did you, did, did you see heaven? Did you see the prophets? What was it like? And no doubt Lazarus, it was a great burden for him to say, no, this is not about me, but this is about the one who raised me from the dead. That constant wrestling to turn the eyes away from himself and to Christ, the one in whom the power came from. Let me tell you about Jesus sure that was the words that Lazarus spoke as many came and inquired of his power and we see this difficulty arising and causing division in the church in Corinth among Corinthian Paul faces that great difficulty where there are men who are saying well I, I am of Paul and I am of Apollos and I am of Cephas and there's Peter and there was division because men were being exalted and Paul cuts to the heart of the issue and says you don't get it you have not understood that these men who stand and speak on behalf of God, they desire that you see Christ. Did Paul die for your sins? Was Paul crucified? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? No. This is about Christ today. This is about him. We are to be transparent as it were. and We are to see through any man that stands up and speaks on behalf of God. Let us see also that those who come to see fault. Wherever Jesus was, there were those who were to cast fault upon him. To see him fail, to see him fall. We read just a minute ago in verse 19 that the Pharisees therefore said amongst themselves, "Perceive ye how ye prevail nothing, behold the world is gone after you. Whenever Christ is preached, whenever Christ is uplifted and upheld, almost guarantee that there are those who listen with a critical heart and a critical mind. Those who have probably come into the house of the Lord, not out of any desire to see Christ, but out of a desire to see fault. This is a great difficulty amongst the young people today. That maybe they come because they want to honour their family, but yet want to equip themselves with the faults that are found in Christ and in the word of God. You see, these were the most attentive of people, I believe. The Pharisees clung on to every word of Jesus Christ. They were there at every time that he spoke publicly. And if they were just to see Christ for who he was, rather than entering in with a critical heart and a critical mind. And so often we can come into the house of the Lord. There's often times that there are people that we are critical of. That There are... Um, Truths in the word of God that we are critical of. And we do not see Christ and we will never see Christ if we enter in with a critical heart. See, the the Pharisees saw the greatest of miracles. They saw the wonders of Christ and yet they believed not because they entered in with a critical heart. They came to see fault and not Jesus Christ. But what are these Greeks? What about these who are not of the people of God? people who desired to see Jesus himself. Verse 20 it says, And there were these certain Greeks among them. They came up to worship at the feast. The same came therefore to Philip, which was of Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. We find here a true desire to see Christ for who he was, to know him. No doubt as they travelled along the roads into Jerusalem, they heard They heard of this king. They heard of this man who had raised a man from the dead. They'd heard of his great miracles and his teaching. And yes, they were attracted to them. And it led them to a desire to know Christ as the person. Our king. And they make a beeline for the man himself. They go straight, as it were, to the man himself. There's a great... Indication of their need, their desire. They cannot come to Christ but they find one of his disciples and they say, Sir, we need to see Jesus. We must see him. There was a desire that they find him himself. And of course, Philip being unsure about this, he goes and finds Andrew and together they find Christ. And Christ, his response is very interesting. And so often these, this passage of scripture it is insular. It is It is preached and it is a message that many people do not think about what has just proceeded. And the answer of Christ is this, 23, it says, and Jesus answered them saying, the hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. And you can imagine the hearts of those who listen. This is it, the hour has come for Christ to be glorified. Is this, is this a rallying cry against the Romans? Will we see him like we saw him on the mountain? of transfiguration? Are we to see something that is, that is tangible, that is evident to us all? What does he say? Verse 24, Verily, verily, you need to hear this. I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. If we are to see Jesus Christ today, the way that he desires for us to see him, it must be through the lens of the cross through the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'll tell you what it means to see me, says Christ. This great crescendo comes and every ear is attentive and we see a bleak picture. Unless a corn of wheat fall and die, it abideth alone. He speaks of the cross, the despising, the shame, the rejection of mankind, the judgment separation as it were that he experienced on the cross and the coldness and the darkness of the grave how, how can this be the glory of Christ in which we are to see it is such a dark and miserable picture but my friends the greatest glory of Jesus Christ comes in his resurrection in his ascension And we see that this corn of wheat, as it falls and dies and abides in the ground, this is the velvet, dark backdrop to the glorious resurrection of Jesus Christ. He says, but if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Much fruit. This is the seeing of Christ. This is the seeing of his glory, the fruit of Christ, as he is resurrected as he ascends into the earth and on the third day as he rises again defeating death and hell as he brings redemption in his wings and as he raises up bringing with him the redemption of the souls of all of his children. And this is what we're to see when we think of Christ. This is the fruit. This is the glory of Jesus Christ. If it falls into the ground it abideth alone but if it die, bring it bringeth forth much fruit. This is not a glory that we are just to witness. This is not something that we are to see. They came and they wanted to see Jesus. They wanted to see His glory, but this is not a glory to just be seen. This is a glory that we are to be partakers of with Him. That as He is raised from the grave, He comes with the fruit. And we are His fruit. If we see Him as He intends us to see Him. We see our salvation, our inheritance, our unity with Christ. We see His righteousness, His love, His grace, His mercy, eternity with Him. And so, this is the lens in which we are to see every aspect of Christ as we read about Him. As we see the, the humility of God becoming a man, it's a wonderful humility. As we see Him despised and rejected, it is magnificent our eyes when we hear his teaching we will marvel at it because it all points to the cross we will rejoice over his suffering and will glory in his resurrection see this is the way that Christ desires for us to see in verse 25 says he that loveth his life shall lose it and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal so this bleak as it were this bleak picture to start with become such a love of ours such a desire of our hearts that nothing else will matter it is so beautiful to us that as it were we are holding loosely the things of this world even our own lives and then we find this unity 26 if any man serve me let him follow me and where I am there shall also my servant be if any man serve me let uh, serve me him will my father honor this is what it is, to see Christ, to come and to proclaim that we would see Jesus. It's not about the effects of Jesus, but it's him himself, Jesus Christ, entering to that uh, intimate and loving relationship that no matter what we go through, we hold on to this world loosely and we enter into that unity with him. You see, we can never see Christ without the cross. And if we try, we will fail. Our hearts will be hardened. And that is why the cross must always be the centre of everything that we see in Christ. In every aspect of our preaching and in our teaching, the gospel is to be the central message. Because from that, we have the right perspective. Philippians 3, I want to just finish on this teaching of Paul, of the Holy Spirit. And this should be truly the desire of all of us here this evening Philippians chapter 3 verse 10 and it says this that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death and we find that exact pattern that Christ was talking we may know him. This is a relationship. The power of his resurrection, the fruit as he ascends into heaven, the redemption of our souls, the fellowship of his sufferings. We will despise this world for unity with Christ and being made conformable unto his death. My friends, every time we enter into the house of the Lord, we, we must desire to see Christ. But are we desiring to see him? Well, one of the sideshows, as it were, May the Lord help us. These are very subtle and and these are things that can pass us by without even knowing. That we can hone in and focus on a certain aspect on a certain deliverance as it were. But let us let us fall in love with Jesus Christ. May he be the one that we desire to see. And may the Lord help us. Let's pray together. Lord we do thank you that you are one who desires a relationship with us lord, that we can come and that we can be intimate that we can know thee and love thee and that we can cling on to thee whom our soul loveth and father we do pray that you'd help us lord in the subtlety of error lord we do thank you for the wonderful attributes that we find in christ our savior we thank you for his redemption we thank you for his deliverance we thank you that he is one lord in by which power is manifest in us but lord we pray that we would pursue thee so often lord we see thee as a means to an end lord a gateway to receiving something of our own good and lord forgive us for those times lord truly may we be those who desire to see thee and to seek thee lord and to love thee more and more in jesus name we pray amen let us sing our final hymn together hymn number 572 Together. Oh Lord, we do thank you that we can claim you for ourselves. We thank you that you are the sinner's friend. And Lord, we do pray for the one who may be listening tonight, Lord, who cannot claim that thou art theirs. Lord, we pray that you would enter in, Lord, and that they might have that sweet fellowship, that sweet communion with the one who delivers, the one who strengthens, Lord, the one who breaks the bands and the fetters, as it were, of sin and hell and death. And Father, we pray that of us who know Thee and love Thee, help us, Lord, to pursue that relationship. Help us not, Lord, to focus the things that Thou art supplying us, Lord, but may we seek Thee and Thee alone. Lord, we do thank You for this time, Lord. We pray that Thy Word, Lord, would not return to Thee void, but do a great work. Or may there be more that are added to the harvest, Lord, Lord, that there will be those who, as this seed, Lord, of Christ, was raised, Lord, from the ground, that the fruit, Lord, would be found. And so, Lord, we pray that you would be with us this week. Lord, do draw us back together, we pray, in fellowship. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.